WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. The state Senate votes to remove Glenda Ritz as chair of the State Board of Ed. How a teacher rally failed to prevent it. The House GOP budget finds more money for schools, an effort to repeal the common wage, and a vote in favor of a new soccer stadium. That plus Bill Belichick at IU practice and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending February 20, 2015. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. AT&T, working to enhance connectivity in Indiana by investing in communication networks. Dedicated to helping Hoosier businesses grow and consumers succeed both at home and at work. AT&T, rethink possible. This week, the state Senate passed the bill that removes Glenda Ritz as chairman of the State Board of Education. The vote was 33 to 17, with seven Republicans joining the Democrats to vote no. The vote came on the day after a huge teacher rally was conducted in support of the Democratic State School Superintendent. It sparked some emotional debate on the Senate floor, where author Travis Holdman admitted that it looked bad. Here he is, followed by the governor. The optics of this might look uh, undesirable uh, to us. But you know, in positions of leadership that we were elected to fulfill, sometimes you have to make the hard call. Hoosiers are going to see uh, that, uh, that it, it is the kind of reform that will contribute to improving the way that, that, uh, that Republicans and Democrats on the State Board of Education are able to do their job. Are the Republicans past the point of no return? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Shella. Ann Delaney, are Democrats resigned to defeat on this bill? Well, I, I think it's pretty apparent that they've got the power. Um, they don't care what the voters think. They don't care that public opinion is against them. They have super majorities, and they control the governor's office, and that's what the arrogance of power breeds. They're going to put forward. They don't like the fact that a Democrat was elected statewide, and they don't like the fact that the voters rejected their policies on education. So what they want to do is whatever they can do. And as long as it's one-party control, that's what they're going to do. And whether it's freedom to discriminate bills or trying to stop students from voting or whatever, uh, or taking away the at-large city council, whatever they can do, they'll do. 
Well, let's stick to this bill. Um, I don't think we should. I, think we should I know you don't. I know you don't. Um, seven Republicans uh, didn't go along with this. What's that tell you? Well, uh, I think the answer you got from those folks were the same as the ones that went the other way in the House when it was voted on over there, um, that they didn't think you should do it in the middle of the term. Uh, some of them didn't have a problem doing it, but they don't think they should do it in the middle of the term. I think uh, one of them was quoted as saying, you don't change the rules in the middle of the game. And so I think that was the sentiment there. But as we talked about this issue last week, both the president pro tem and the speaker have both said, and they understand the political calculation of doing this, that you can't wait another two years and have this continue to be as dysfunctional as it is, and they're going to plow forward. And the, and the two versions are different. House and Senate, but it'll be hammered out in conference committee. I expect it to pass. All right. And what's different in the Senate proposal is that uh, they also take away the governor's appointment power for some of the seats on the State Board of Education. That goes to the leaders in the General Assembly. And, and oh. the governor said this week that he's not enthusiastic about that. What's going on? Well, there? I'm not surprised. Oh. I mean, if yours at the governor, here's, let's see, which, op which uh, option would you prefer, Jim? Yeah. You get to appoint everybody minus the uh, superintendent. Or you get uh, four, and then the other four are distributed, as you say, among legislative caucus leadership, which means, by definition, you're going to have people, at least two people, who are opposed to your party stance uh, from the outset. So, I mean, it does broaden the selection process. It actually shrinks the, the overall size by one uh, to nine. But I'm not surprised that the governor um, would not like that. Is it a deal breaker? I don't think necessarily. I think if he... If he gets, I'm guessing that for him yeah. the bigger issue would be to have Glenda Ritz removed from the chairmanship. The I think, other, I think he'd that's, take the, that's he'll the take core. the trade-off, but does it make it more palatable to the public if you're taking some of the governor's power away at the same time? Well, I think that might be part of the calculation, but that the Senate version also, I believe, makes it an immediate uh, change, so it, it doesn't wait till July 1st, like most legislation does. So as soon as it would pass, the House bill started that. out immediate, and they moved it to July right. 1st. Right, and so what you've got here is they're trying to, and I think Senator Holdman was very frank when he said, you know, the optics on this are, are bad. I think these are efforts to kind of mitigate those optics. I'm not sure that that will play. It certainly won't play with the people who are backing Ritz now, and I'm not sure it's going to play overall. I think the public will see the bill uh, as they see it. And they see it as a power grab by the governor and the Republicans. And it's interesting that the governor is willing to take someone else's power away, but not his own. But you know he what's interesting about the, that? He said they have the ability to do it. He just said, hey, yeah, but he doesn't like I'm it. not and he enthusiastic. Yeah, well, he was very careful about his words. Well, what's interesting about this is if the worm changes here, and if the Democrats wind up in super control, I mean, maybe when we start changing the rules in midstream like this, you know, uh, there are a lot of people upset by Greg Zeller's activity uh, on behalf of the Tea Party in all the lawsuits he's engaged us in. Maybe we need to whittle that back when the time comes. Well, it's going to be maybe a, we don't need it, an attorney it's, general. It's going to be a long time before Democrats are in charge of the General Assembly, I think. But, yes. but, but do any Republicans worry that someday things will be different? Well, sure. I mean, it, this, is, this is all cyclical. You know that. I know that. We've been at this a long time. The pendulum swings the other direction eventually. But the way it is right now, with the numbers they have, by increasing them in the last election, which I said at the time was the biggest story of the election, by increasing those numbers, that's just farther out that you're ever going to have a change. 
and uh, subsequently you're going to see this control for a long, long time. Well, eventually, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, though. We'll, well see. you will. When I mean, they overstep you, like they did to, with this and the religious You'd have to lose 25 seats in one house to even begin to come I, close I am not saying they take control immediately, <laughs> but when they overstep the way they have, yeah. and there is abuse that, of this, but they you, have, Not everybody agrees with that. But you also might have what, there's a lot of pent-up demand still for having this be an appointed position. Never mind who's the chair of the of the State Board of Education. But you may get to that. I think the superintendency. I think one of the points that Ann raises, though, is, and that is this change in the middle, uh, could come back to to haunt when that pendulum does swing. And I think that's really something of concern because you have an institution here that has a way of of operating, and if you change that midstream, uh, then you endanger the process. All right, now to the huge teacher rally in support of Glenda Ritz that took place this week. A scheduled one-hour rally lasted almost twice that long, and before it was over, Glenda Ritz made a brief appearance. A number of organizations helped plan and organize the rally, and they had a list of complaints, but the treatment of Glenda Ritz is at the top of that list. And while they cheered and clapped, Republicans in the state Senate decided to delay that vote for a day. Uh, here is Ritz supporter Phyllis Bush, followed by parent Kathy Fuentes Rauer. Why are all of these people so threatened by one woman that they are pulling out all the stops to marginalize her and to eviscerate her authority. As a mother, I want our legislature to be accountable. Accountability is representing your constituents, not your donors. Mike McDaniel, are the Republicans ignoring their constituents? No, I don't think so. I think their constituent, in this case, is the children of the state of Indiana, and they've decided that we can't afford to continue to have this kind of dysfunction and they want to move forward with education policy, and they're not doing it the way it is now, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, I was surprised at, at, this, at the rally uh, that the people that, that participated in this rally really didn't spend any time on the third floor. I didn't see any much <laughs> effort in front of the House or to the Senate. They all stayed down at one end of the building, and they they were noised, and they were having fun and they were making their point to each other but they didn't really spend much time on the third floor where legislators were. Maybe they thought yeah. they were all closed minds on the well, third floor, do you think? They sure didn't I think the, the problem is they're not ignoring their constituents, they're thumbing their nose at their constituents. And this isn't about education policy because they don't even sure know what their education is. policy is. They change it every two days they change their educational <laughs> policy. They can't decide how to test. You've got florists determining what the test ought to have. <laughs> it is ridiculous what they've done and they all they're doing is trying to privatize public education with a quick fix that their people, their friends, and their constituents, not their constituents, but their yeah, contributors yeah. get rich on. This was an impressive rally. Uh, yeah, I mean... They're, they're, it wasn't a right-to-work rally, but it was big, as well, state house rallies go. And it was well-organized, uh, and the fact that, that uh, uh, it went as, well, as long as it did uh, was well-attended. Uh, they made their points, but I think Mike makes a good point. If you're going to be there, you ought to circulate a little bit. Uh, it's all well and good to to play to the cameras and to each other, but you've got all those people, hundreds and hundreds of people there. You might as well go out and, and talk to a few legislators. Whether or not their minds are closed, you need to try to uh, make the effort, I think. Yeah, this, this debate, though, as we all, I think, agreed a moment ago, is over on, on this specific bill. I mean, there'll be some version of this that is signed and enacted. It's already passed both houses. The, the, bigger, the, question, the, the bigger question, it seems to me, and why you have... You know, you want to start counting numbers of how many people showed up at this rally vis-a-vis -vis another rally is the stage that this sets for the next statewide elections. 
both for governor and potentially legislative races, that are not statewide, but certainly uh, germane to this discussion, and for superintendent. If you, know, if you, if you want to get these, these uh, organizations off their couches and mobilized, the Republicans are doing a good job. This I, will, I talked to some Republicans this, in that crowd, too, who said that, uh, that they don't like what's going on and it could affect their vote. Well, it's if, if it's this, I mean, there, it'll be interesting because this, you'll see a lot of uh, very clear-cut um, choice making that takes place here in the next election, and there won't be, uh, you know, maybe a little of this or maybe a little of that. It's no, going to be the kind a of an B. issue that determines votes in yeah. many cases. Yeah. Still got a little while till the election. Time now okay. for viewer feedback. Each week, we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. Last week's question was, "Who's to blame for the length?" Of the I-STEP test, 2% said Glenda Ritz. 86% said Mike Pence. 6% said the federal government. And 6% said all of the above. This week's question, do you approve of the job being done by the General Assembly? Your choices are A, yes, B, no, or C, ask me in May. If you'd like to take part of the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. Republicans in the Indiana House of Representatives have increased school funding in the state budget proposal. The House Ways and Means Committee voted for the plan this week. It calls for more spending than the governor's plan, which included increases in education funding of 2% and 1% in the two-year budget period. House Republicans boosted that to increases of 2.3% in each year. Democrats don't like the way it's distributed. Here's Representative Greg Porter followed by the governor. Many schools still lose dollars. The largest school district here in Indianapolis loses dollars. We're calling for a dramatic increases in uh, spending for our traditional K-12 schools, and, it, and it's needful. John Katzenberger, where did the extra money come from? Well, it's a decision to spend the money as opposed to hanging on to it. Um, and From the state a, surplus. Right, and that's the, uh, the decision that the House made. And, and it's, a, it's a stark policy contrast to what the governor had proposed. Uh, and so, I'm, you know, I think it's very interesting to see how this is going to play out. Uh, it's a good political move. It's a good po uh, policy move. Uh, and, you know, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a nice, uh, good uh, it's going to be a nice uh, exchange of ideas, Ann. Don't, don't think that I'm coming over here and saying that it's going to be a nice thing to do necessarily. I think you've got a nice stark contrast here. I'll be curious to see what the Senate decides to do. And when we get down to the end of this thing, it's going to be really interesting to see what they end up with. Yeah, now, got, the, the one wrinkle is how the money is distributed, and that's oh, going to be, yeah. that's that's going a, to be a, big a big fight. That's a bigger issue. That's what Greg Porter was talking about in that soundbite. A bigger issue than how much money is going to schools is, is where exactly it's going, the distribution formula. And uh, uh, the complaint of Democrats is that urban and rural schools are being punished at the expense of suburban schools. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess whether that's punishment or whether that's proper distribution is, is in the eye of the beholder. But you do look at, for instance, Indianapolis Public Schools, which sees, would see, I think, $18 million reduction under this plan at the same time that very rapidly growing Hamilton Southeastern would see, what, $24 million increase. So, yes, the student enrollment is growing rapidly in one place and shrinking in the other. Um, so then the question becomes, you know, do you follow, send the dollars, uh, you know, and down the path of where the students are headed? 
which has been the Republican stance for a long time, or do urban districts have unique problems because of socioeconomic factors that deserve some way to prop them up? I don't know. I mean, there's, that's, the, that's the debate. Uh, we'll see who, who prevails. The school funding formula is very complicated. And probably nothing changes more in the course of a General Assembly than that formula. It, it, uh, I mean, there's a lot of debate to, to be done here, right? The formula doesn't actually change, but the school runs change. The school change. runs change, that's for sure. Um, look, you know, John hit it on the head. The money follows the student. You're sending money to growing school districts. You're taking money away from school districts or losing uh, of the 91 districts, I think, in the current run that was proposed in the House that were losing money, 83 of those districts were losing student enrollment. And these fastest-growing school districts ought to have some increase in money. So that's what you've got going on here. And as far as the funding difference between what the governor proposed and what the House Republicans have proposed, I said at the time when the governor presented his budget that there was some flexibility here that the governor, being a former member of Congress and a legislator himself for a long time, understood that they want to do some things of their own, especially when you think about the fact that what, before the session started, both the House and the Senate proposed major increases in education, and that's right. exactly what's happened here, and, and you're going to see somewhere in the vicinity of what the House has proposed as the end product. You think it ends up 2.3 oh, I, I and 2.3? I, I don't think there's any question it ends up pretty close to that. But the distribution of it will still okay. be a point of contention all the way to the end. But you're going to see money follow student, and it's going to go to districts that grow. The problem, the problem with the analysis of the growing versus the shrinking is it also ignores the fact that IPS has been the repository for special education students. And students and, and parents from suburban schools actually come into IPS to get the better quality education for their, for their children. So that ignores that. The other thing that, it, that this formula or the proposal ignores is a 50% growth in vouchers. In vouchers again. So we're giving money again to religious yet, schools. Yet there were a couple of Democrats in the Ways and Means Committee who said they might be able to vote for this on the floor. Well, that's a couple of Democrats. It doesn't mean I have to agree with them. <laughs> when, you're, when you're giving money to, to religious education institutions, I think that's a wrong expenditure of tax dollars. I think it's unconstitutional. You're not giving it to institutions. You're yeah, giving you it to families to let their students go where they want to go. You're making the checks payable to the schools. You're, you're giving it you're to the schools. You're letting people go where they want to go. I think one thing that, that is, is clear in this is that you have a, a growing alliance between urban schools and rural schools, their interests are essentially the same when it comes to the school funding right. formula. And that's going to make an alliance of Democrats and Republicans well, under that circumstance. Moving on, there's an effort to repeal the state law that sets wages on public construction projects, a move that is viewed as a new attack on union workers in Indiana. Contractors who hire union workers turned out in large numbers at a committee hearing in the Indiana House this week. They say that eliminating the common construction wage would increase shortages that already exist in the number of skilled workers in Indiana. Here is Phil Kenny of F.A. Wilhelm Construction. We need to get more young people into our business to, to take care of these shortages. And the, the one big way to do that is to have a, a great wage and benefit package. This increases the cost of public sector construction. It is totally unfair to the taxpaying citizens to have to pay more than is needed. And that's Fort Wayne City Councilman John Crawford John Schwannis, is this the son of right to work? Yeah, I think it. I mean, look at look at the author. Look at the uh, at the member behind it, and Jerry Tor. I think it's uh, it it is. I mean, it's the same 
largely the same uh, philosophy, I think, uh, at its core. Uh, and as to why now, uh, you know, because Anne, they can. Well, Anne, at the first, yeah, in response to the first question, was ticking through several things that, because of the supermajorities and the very conservative supermajorities, the things they can do. You didn't mention this one, but I would put this on the list. That's because yeah. it was another uh, question. <laughs> yet, yet we didn't see crowds of union workers. This was contractors versus contractors. Well, and that's always been a bit of this. Um, you know, th there was some advance warning about three or four days uh, at the end of the week where they had that chance to organize. But, you know, I, I think that, that it's a little less different because it's not directly affecting the uh, workers uh, as, as the right to work. Well, actually, it does directly affect them and mm -hmm. their compensation. So um, I, I don't know why you didn't have a bunch of uh, folks there. Uh, but I do think the point was well made and strongly made, and, and the result is when the speaker signed on to the bill, uh, I think everybody saw where it was going, and I think it's you know going to end up in the Senate, and we'll see what happens with it. The governor backs it, too. Yeah, of course he does. The Republicans want to shrink wages for everybody. There's some, I mean, there's some suggestion that the Senate may not hear this. Well, I hope they don't, because the, the, there's no proof that this increases the cost of public construction, number one. Number two, the other thing about this that's amazing is Mitch Daniels, when he ran for office, said the only, the only uh, standard by which a governor ought to be judged is whether income goes up. It has shrunk on their watch, and every chance they've had to lower wages, they've grabbed it. And this is another example of that. And, you know, they don't care that people can't make ends meet in this country, and we're $9,000 below the, the national average, and they want it to shrink more. Even the committee chairman was opposed to this. this he, he, did, he didn't show up for the meeting. He didn't want it to be heard. This is about saving taxpayers' dollars. Oh. These no, are taxpayers. And, and I didn't bother. I didn't you interrupted interrupt you. me before. No, I didn't. I yeah, you did. Not once. On the first question, you Not did. once. What, is this to her or to me? To you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this saves taxpayers between 10 and 20% on construction projects that are government projects at a time when local government, particular, talking about needing every dollar they get. When they did this in Ohio over a five-year period, we're talking about a half a billion dollars in savings in Ohio. In Michigan, they predict $225 million a year in savings up there. This is about saving taxpayers' money, and, and why wouldn't you do that? I'll tell you why, because the numbers you're using are fallacious. No, they're these not. Are, these are uh, uh, Hoosier citizens who pay income tax on that, too, and you ignore yeah. that when you come up with well, those the numbers. Well, the argument that's being made is that it would benefit All right, moving on. Legislation designating tax revenues for the proposed Indy 11 soccer stadium passed a House committee this week. The taxes generated by the stadium would go toward paying off the building. Supporters say this means only those who use the stadium will pay for it, but opponents include other Indy venues who object to special treatment for their competition. Here's author Representative Todd Houston. I think the biggest misconception is that the state is funding this. Frankly, what we've done is we've created enabling legislation to make sure the city has the opportunity to do it. And Delaney, will that plan work? Will it pass? It'll probably pass. Got 20, yes. 20 to 3 in the House yeah, Ways and It'll pass committee. again because they can. The, the fact that Indianapolis at the moment can't pave its streets or put enough police on the, on the beat, can't, can't get the, the uh, streetlights working or anything else, is irrelevant because they can get another sports venue and get tickets There's and get a, a mayor's suite. Well, they're also talking about a hotel now, so they, they, they've really reworked this proposal. And do they get the revenue from the hotel to pay it off too? I'm not sure. Do they? Do I don't know. I didn't know uh, about the hotel part. Uh, that was news to me. But uh, look, this has got a long way to go. 
Uh, Todd Houston's right. What they've done is create enabling legislation. But I think they've got a long way to go to prove to the people in the Senate that their numbers are good and how this would work. Uh, who would be responsible if they don't meet those numbers? I mean, that's clearly a concern as it moves forward. So uh, they've got through the first hurdle, but they've got a long way to go. And if they can make it work, more power to them. If, if everybody always took the yeah. stand that we shouldn't try to do some of these kinds of things, can you imagine in this day and age if Bill Hudnett was still mayor and we proposed building a stadium before you ever had a football well, team here? It would be, uh, be a different city, too. Yeah. Um, this is the kind of thing that may take more than one trip. They tried last year unsuccessfully. Back again this year it may take more than two. Yeah, I think uh, it may be very worthwhile. I mean, I like love soccer. I hope it, 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 it's clearly hit a nerve and has a, a enthusiastic support base. But when you look at I think some people would say, you know, you've got to pay your dues a little bit longer. And I'm thinking about one the Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which sought uh, help right. with funding a number of improvements, lighting and, and uh, accessibility improvements. S similar legislation. And there were people who yeah. said, you know, they've been around, what, since 100, I don't know how long, more than 100 years. Yeah. Uh, You've got to ripen a little does bit. Does this get through? I, I think it gets through the House, makes it live language. We'll see what happens in the end. Um, I'm, they're further along than I thought at this point. Finally, IU basketball coach Tom Crean invited a special guest to a team practice in Assembly Hall this week. New, England's pa New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick took in the Hoosiers Tuesday workout, then talked to the players afterwards, and as you can see here, posed for photographs. Crean met Belichick a few years ago at a Florida football practice and asked him to come down this week. He's in town for the NFL Combine. Mike McDaniel, does Tom Crean understand he has to recruit in Indiana? <laughs> I was going to say that he must have a lot of self-confidence to invite the arch enemy of most Hoosiers, Bill Belichick, to an IU practice and then get beat twice by Purdue this year. Yeah, he's, yeah, pretty, yeah. he's pretty much on thin ice. I would say the IU nation is deflated. Oh, no. That was my line. I was going to say Belichick's trying to make nice. I think it's we got to go. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat and Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir or starting Monday. You can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. AT&T, working to enhance connectivity in Indiana by investing in communication networks. Dedicated to helping Hoosier businesses grow and consumers succeed both at home and at work. AT&T, rethink possible. Thank you.